Welcome to The Follow-Up, a weekly podcast that goes in-depth into projects recently reviewed on Brand New, featuring conversations with the designers and sometimes their clients, uncovering the context, background, and design decisions behind the work. Hi, this is Brian Gomez-Palacio, and welcome to episode 39 of The Follow-Up. This week, we're following up on Exposure, a content management system and publishing platform with a focus on visual storytelling. Created by Atlanta, Georgia-based Luke Beard, Exposure offers a robust system for quick publication of stories through a highly finessed template system that makes every picture look amazing. The platform has been embraced by hobbyists and professional photographers alike and can adapt to whether it is used for a brand, business, school, nonprofit, or even sports teams. The project, designed by Philadelphia, Pennsylvania-based Smith & Diction, was posted on Brand New on September 21st, 2021. You can pull it up on your browser at bit.ly slash bnpodcast039. That is bit dot l-y slash bnpodcast039, all in lowercase. This week, we're joined by Mike Smith, co-founder and art director at Smith & Diction. Exposure's founder, Luke Beard, was meant to join us, but unfortunately had to bow out at the very last minute. Nonetheless, in this conversation we get to hear, among other things, about Mike and Luke's rules of engagement to tackle this project. No big design reveals. No buttoned-up conference calls. No BS. Just two creatives working together in a more organic way. As we find out, it was this collaborative and loose mode of working that pretty much led to the final icon. Mike also shares the importance of asking for help and how he worked with two other talented designers to help him figure out the dimensionality of this crowd-pleasing icon. He was also pretty honest about how he arrived at the typeface for the wordmark. For that and the rest of this brisk 23-minute conversation, let's listen in as Armin follows up with Mike. Hello, everyone. Today, we're here to talk about a rare occurrence on Brand New, which is a logo with zero bad votes in the polls. Here to talk all about it is Mike Smith of Smith & Diction. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to have that no hate support. (laughs) That's right. Even the word mark, it was close. It only has, last time I checked, it had three bad votes. Yeah. Someone out there doesn't like serifs that much. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, man. I just typed it out. I don't think you can be that mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yet some people are, which is okay. It's part of the environment. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Luke, who is uh, Exposure's founder, was not able to join us for this recording, so the full responsibility of explaining this project rests on your shoulders, Mike. (laughs) Let's start with getting to know you a little bit, because most of the design firms that we end up talking to here in the podcast are relatively well-known, so no offense, but who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 we're definitely on the smaller side for sure, and I feel like Philadelphia kind of has that quality to it, where we live in New York's shadow all the time. So the city in general just kind of has these design firms that not a lot of people talk about, but they're doing really cool stuff. And this keeps us humble in Philly, I think. It's just like no one's really huge or has a big ego or anything. Smith Addiction is just my wife and I running a design and copywriting agency. We met working at an agency here. She was my copywriting partner. And then we decided to start our own thing and kind of fill that branding gap that we thought was in Philadelphia at the time. 
So yeah, that's us. Very nicely put. And we actually featured your work on Brand New earlier this year with your double-headed X-Dragon for Group X. Yeah. But even with that precedent, the name Smith and Diction hadn't registered in my mind, which is mostly my fault. It definitely <laughs> has now, because you're two for two with people really digging that icon as well. So are you prepared to keep delivering crowd-pleasing icons for the rest of your career, or maybe realizing it's all downhill from here? I mean, I love doing icons. I feel like design and branding right now has kind of moved away from really focused on like the central kind of icon. And, you know, with good reason, like a lot of branding is now so flexible that it can kind of bend and break to different kind of mediums and things like that. So they don't want an icon that can really be kind of static. But I feel like Group X was like a really good example of like how I was pushing away from that. We did exposure way before that. And now my style has kind of merged towards blobby sort of movement kind of thing. So yeah, I would say I'm ready to keep going. I can't wait to see how we start to merge into like digital feeling things and things that can move and have, you know, responsive or variable identities. That's what's next. And I can't wait to try that. <laughs> For sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned that lack of icons in branding. And I think part of it has to do with so much has already been done mm -hmm. back from the 1960s to today that it's hard to come up with new, interesting icons that mm -hmm. are unique and original. But at the same time, there's also been a big shift to monograms. Like it seems sort of an easy way out. It is really nice to see someone out there doing good icon work because it is hard, it is rare, and it is welcome. So yeah. with that in mind, let's move on to talk a little bit about exposure. But in your words, since you became so involved with Luke's platform, what is it? how I used to use it in the beginning was it started out as this collective photo storytelling platform type thing where like, you know, exposure came about like peak Tumblr time. Everybody was using Tumblr and it was like really kind of the thing to be doing and throwing your photos up on that. And exposure was the collection version of that and like the square spacification of Tumblr where it was really easy and it was really beautiful. And now it's kind of shifted more into straight up storytelling. Like he's moving into video, audio, and like all that other stuff, just moving outside of just it being like a photographer's place. You know, it can be used for nonprofits. It can be used for soccer teams. It can be used by marketing people. It can be used by colleges, campuses. A lot of these places have all this media that they don't really know what to do with. It doesn't fit on their websites. It doesn't fit on their social channels because maybe it's too long form or something. So exposure was kind of like, what if you had one really beautiful, simple place to kind of just like tell the meteor stories and not have to write any code or anything like that. And what made Luke embark on a redesign now? I don't really know why Luke reached out at this particular moment. He and I had followed each other since the beginning of Exposure. Like I was using Exposure and then I found out he made it. And then he takes extremely beautiful pictures. Really, really awesome photographer. So I was like, oh, I'm going to follow him and see what he's up to. And then he kind of is like a freelance designer and interested in a lot of the same kind of designy type things, but then photographs it really well. So we had followed each other for a long time on Instagram and Twitter. We were always joking back and forth like, hey, like, I'll hire you to come up here and shoot my case studies. And he'd be like, oh, hey, like, why don't you fly down and we can talk about exposure or something. In 2020, when, you know, all the walls of creativity and collaboration were kind of demolished, 
he just called me up on actually he sent me a Twitter DM and was like, yo, are you busy? And I was like, I'm busy, but what's up? You know, what do you want to talk about? Like, yeah, I think I want to do exposure right now. And I was just like, oh my God, like I've been dreaming of doing this because like something I actually used and most times that when a project comes in, it's okay, like how do I wrap my head around active index financing? You know what I mean? (laughs) Or investing. And I'm like, I don't really know what that is, but I deeply knew what exposure was. It was awesome. I remember having a conversation with him in the very beginning being, do you want this to be professional or do you want this to be chill kind of dude situation where we work on this? And he was like, I'd love to collaborate with you and not have the kind of like professionally BS that goes with branding presentations. And I was like, I'm so totally into that. So that was a really cool thing to kind of decide before we even started design. And from your conversations with him, did you get a sense that he was ready to expand the business to grow into other audiences or something like that? That was like a little bit of what I was telling you before, where he kind of was realizing that now he wanted this to be not just photography and lean much more into editorial content. And that's kind of what made that big shift because he started curating stories inside of their own kind of curated buckets. That was before we started. And he was like, it's going so well. And people are really excited about when their stories get curated into, you know, a soccer bucket or like at a travel bucket or something like that. And just trying to change the product a little bit to be a little bit more focused on finding stories a little bit easier. And I think that's maybe what sparked the shift in terms of I want this to feel less like a startup product and more like a trusted source of content or information or photography. Yeah, and that was the impression that I got from looking at it for the very first time as a potential new user is that everything looked beautiful. Everything looked like it was easy to use, to implement, to deploy. Even if you took crappy photographs, somehow they would end up looking good on this platform. Yeah, And I think that curation element as well, it was interesting in the sense that there's so many other things that we're used to, like Pinterest or even Instagram, where it's just like, that's how you often get exposed to new artists or visual inspiration. But I think this felt a little bit more real and timely. And Mm -hmm. that sense of things happening in the world photographed by real people of real things, as opposed to like this make-believe. The context really is what's most important is that like Pinterest and Instagram, you don't have any context. And I feel like exposure allows you to have context behind why you're doing what you're doing. So before we get into the new design, I had a question about what the old design was, like the old icon. Do you know what it was meant to be? And maybe it's an obvious thing, but it just escapes me (laughs) for some reason. Uh, No, I like don't really know. I can give you kind of what I thought it was. The original, original 2013 exposure logo was like an eye inside of a hexagon. It was like a stroked hexagon shape that had a circle in the middle to kind of just represent a shutter with an eye in it. And I think that this was an evolution of that. And I can kind of put a bunch of secondary meaning to it. It kind of looks like a compass that you would see on the bottom of a map or something like that, like north, south, east, west kind of has like a gem diamond-esque shape to it. That's, you know, you could be like finding hidden gems and stuff. That's all kind of my perception of what it was. I just think it was like an evolution. And then, you know, you have the eye and the hexagon, this, you know, gem shape, and then this circle. It's like they've evolved through each other to the final state of what the new symbol is. Still undefined, but open to interpretation. (laughs) Open to interpretation, yeah. That's good. So what kind of design direction did you get from Luke to get started other than let's make it a chill process? (laughs) Yeah, so he actually was just like, okay, like I really love cameras and camera gear and all that kind of stuff. He was like, if we could make something that felt like it was sitting in the Kodak visual language, I'd be really into it. He's also super into NASA and space. 
he goes to like a lot of the shuttle launches and photographs them and stuff. And so he's like interested in like, you know, 60s, the worm, NASA worm logo and all that kind of stuff. And then from a modern perspective, he sent me the new projector logo, which I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's like a company that makes slide templates, I think. And it's got this ray of sunshine like coming out this way and then a little ball and the ball hits it and it like knocks the ray out. That was the thought process of, okay, we know we want something that has like a vintage aesthetic, but maybe has dimensional qualities to it. In the mood board, I ended up pulling the Nintendo 64 logo because I was like, (laughs) it's iconic. It's perfect. It's got that kind of dimension to it where it hits multiple sides. That was our main North Stars, vintage, dimensional, and timeless at the same time. And Nintendo 64, which whenever you can throw that in there, why not? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That added like the playful quality. He was like, I don't want it to be too buttoned up or feel too sterile. And that kind of was our North Star in terms of don't take this too seriously. What did that first round of exploration look like on your end? I actually brought it up because it's been so long since I actually <laughs> looked at it. The first round was very much just going like way too geometric and way too serious, like super, super serious, really hard edges and lots of cylinder type shapes and things wrapping around stuff. But everything just felt it was trying too hard and way too complicated. And then I ended up making this globe shape that had, you know, basically the mark that it is now, but like it looked more like a stained glass window of like a church or something. Instead of the X being on an X axis, it looked more like a T. And so when I presented that, he was like, oh, that's really cool. But I think it looks like too religious at this juncture right now. And I was like, okay, yeah, I totally get it. And he's like, what if we just literally like turn the star T shape to be an X? And I was like, oh, holy shit, that's like totally it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that was kind of like that moment where you're just like, I wouldn't have gotten there personally. I was overthinking it. As an outside creative person, he was like, oh, we literally just rotate this thing 45 degrees and then we have it. You know what I mean? Were you showing him things as they were coming up? Even though you didn't do a full presentation, did you show up with a few options or just one at a time and get some reactions? To kind of caveat this is we never work like this in any way. We usually (laughs) have these buttoned up presentations that we take a month and a half to do the icon and then we are rolling in with the beautiful proof of concept pieces and stuff. I kind of made four or five symbols without any typography and presented that in a little bit of a messy fashion. Like I kind of pulled them out of the main document and put them into different documents. So at least there wasn't all of my crap everywhere. Yeah, I think it was four or five things. And he was literally just like, no, 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 yes turn this one. And that was how that first presentation went. And then from there on, it was how we refine this because the mark was there, but the cuts weren't in it. The dimensional quality wasn't in it in the beginning. And that was something that required a lot of work from me, Luke. And that's what we're going to talk about in a second, talking to Travis and my friend Dan and all that kind of stuff too. What was it about the icon that attracted Luke to it? Uh, You sort of mentioned a few things, but was there something in particular about it that's like, yes, that feels right for X reason? Maybe the X is the actual factor, yeah. Exactly. So it was like the fact that there was an X in it that end a globe at the same time. We were on a call before we kicked everything off and he was like, honestly, this is a storytelling company. It's not photography related. How do we visually show a story? And it was just like, you know, that's like impossible because it's like this story, it's a digital story, but then it's sometimes with photos, sometimes with videos, sometimes with audio, you can write in it at the same time. There's no real representation of like, I couldn't make a book or pages or, you know, something like that. So the fact that this sort of global community aspect was there and then kind of the X in the middle was an unexpected direction that I don't think he even thought was going to come about in this process. 
know, I was just as surprised when I started making this thing. I think the fact that it housed this idea of a global platform, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's sometimes those happy accidents that lead to the best solutions. Like we always make it seem that, yeah, we have an intention in mind. We have an end product in mind and how we're going to arrive at it through strategy and thinking and sketching. But sometimes it really is just like, oh, shit, look at what I arrived. Lucky me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that moment of serendipity is something that we don't talk about that often or celebrate. I still maintain that there is an element of not magic, but unknown about what we do. Sure. Usually whenever I start a logo, I really don't know where it's going to end up. I just know that somehow, some way we're going to end up at something interesting, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. So from a first presentation that didn't require a lot of time investment, which is good. Mm -hmm. And that seems like it went fairly easy and gentle and chill. Yeah. And then it sounds like the getting to the final design was more of a hard task, yeah. which is really getting those details right. Yep. And you mentioned that you consulted a couple of other designers, Travis Ledoux of Mast and mm -hmm. Dane Daniello, fellow Philadelphia designer, right? Yeah, Dane's a good friend, yeah. Both of whom are really good designers. Yeah. So the question is, at what point did you realize I need help? <laughs> and how much work had you done up until that point? I need help all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, working as a two-person studio, my wife, she's a creative-oriented person, but not a designer person. And so she always is my test of a gut check of like, am I thinking way too hard about this? When I started to get into the depths of this mark, it started getting into like mathematics and lighting and all that kind of stuff. So I reached out to Travis and Dan and I reached out to Travis on all of my projects. He's kind of my sounding board for everything with our studios. We run basically the same kind of studio. So I'm always interested in his opinion. And so he's always really helpful about like, put this thing put the mark there and then like literally draw like a pretend sun in the top right corner and then see how the mark falls when you think about the sun being there. So I did that and I was like, still not right. Like it's still not it yet. It's like, that's right from a lighting perspective, but that's not what I'm trying to do. And then I was riding bikes with Dan. He and I ride almost every weekend. And uh, I was like, I'm working on this thing and I can't figure it out. Like, and he was like, send it to me tomorrow when we get in the office and I'll think about it. And I was like, all right, send him the mark. And he like made it out of rubber bands. So that way he could see how the rubber band would wrap over and under on the actual piece. So then he like showed me a picture of that, mocked it up with some rough cuts in Illustrator. And then I was like, that's totally it. Oh, that's a pretty awesome behind the scenes pro tip right there. Yeah, like, yeah. If you want to figure out the dimensions of something, just put it on a rubber band so on a ball, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Then he sent you an option and then you just took that and finessed the heck out of it, I'm guessing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then how did the animations come about? Because I know that was with another friend of yours. I worked with Justin Laws on like a, a special project at Charity Water. He was at Buck at the time. And he's just such a thoughtful, awesome animator. Like we were talking about in the beginning, that the static vibe of our profession is going by the wayside now, I feel. When you have little TV screens in your pockets, people are expecting logos to move and stuff now. So I was just so hyped on this mark. 
And I was just like, Justin, can I please pay you to make this a 3D thing? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, sure. And then literally, I think it took him 24 hours to make those things. I was like, yeah, I want one to be gold. And then he was like, what if we make one in glass? And I was like, yeah, I love all of this. And then he sent it back. And I was just like, this is insane. Where it will live, who knows? It's one of those things where it's super cool to look at. And if Luke can use it somewhere, you know, why not? If that's a load animation when you like hover over it or something like that could be really cool. And speaking of other cool things or unexpected cool things in this case, you chose a kind of old school serif, century old style, yeah. which I don't think any designer nowadays considers it as an option for branding. So how did you end up with that choice? That's actually a super, super interesting thing. So when I was first doing this, I wanted to use GT America. It has X's cut on these vertical axis things. And I was like, oh, the cuts in this X match this thing like perfectly. I was 100% in on that. And then Luke was like, I really don't want a sans serif. I think that I want to lean a little bit more into this editorial vibe. So I was thinking about it. Okay, I guess I can like try something and try to make it feel cool. You know, with this mark, I was always thinking of the Shermayev Pan Am posters. I think it's just Helvetica on those. Super beautiful, super minimal travel posters. I was like, okay, what if I just took that and then like made it feel old? And then I was like going through like a bunch of different typefaces. If I'm being honest, I truly don't know how I ended up on Century besides the fact that I typed exposure out on my like font manager and just clicked serif and then was just going through. And then that EX really no other typeface to me at least has that interaction where the top of the E kind of kicks out to match the X. I was just literally not to be that cheesy designer person, but I was like stopped in my tracks. <laughs> Holy shit. I think that's totally it. It's got a high X height. So it has this super modern feeling to it. I just did the research. It was made in like 1906. That's insane. <laughs> but yeah, so it had this really high X height. So I was like, that would be really good for like reading on the web and all that kind of stuff. It kind of just fell into place after that. We showed a bunch of different type options, probably 10 different type options. And that one is the one that really just stuck out. There's definitely something very nice about it that it feels old, it feels new, it feels sort of out of time in a way, in the sense yeah. that it doesn't take you to any specific era. It just looks right, especially mm -hmm. in contrast with that icon. There's just a really nice interplay between the two elements. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, that EX pair is just like, you know, whoever thought of this. Yeah. And it's like, it's speechless. That's what I... <laughs> the EX combo has you left speechless. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the logo, were you given any other specific tasks of applications to figure out or anything that needed to be delivered to look to use for exposure? The only other thing is when it's shared on social media, they have these little bugs in the top corner just to pull it back to be a show that it's on exposure and have that little bit of exposure branding in these moments without being super overwhelming. How do you make something that feels really clean and considered and beautiful when it's probably 0.25 inches high on your screen? You know what I mean? That was the main goal. We're going to make this logo and a swap in. And then you rarely see it anywhere else on the site besides on those little sharing things. An interesting thing to have this really beautiful identity be this very, very behind the scenes situation. But people's photos and stories are the most important thing. I wouldn't want my logo to be like a watermark on their photo. 
in the end, the goal of this is what I and some of the other people on Brand New commented was that just from the logo and the identity alone, this is something that I would like to explore. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what exposure is. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but this gets me in a frame of mind, which is like, this will make my work look good. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of it. And, you know, even if there's not that many applications to put it on other than the sticker and the pin that you show that people Mm -hmm. are like, I want that. Yeah. (laughs) We all do want some of that stuff. Yeah, I think Luke gave out like 50 of them. I don't know who got them, but somebody has them. Like a little uh, cult badge of honor. Like you get one, you're in. (laughs) Yeah, my mom was even like, hey, do you have one? And I was like, yeah, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) So trying to sum up, what was the most exciting aspect of working on this project? The thing that I was most excited about was not even this mark, but the process that it introduced into my studio. The idea of, oh, I could actually work with other creative people collaboratively. And it doesn't have to be this client designer type thing. Like you can work in these designer designer relationships and still create something that feels thoughtful and awesome and, you know, through a collaborative lens, which a lot of times as designers, you kind of are just like, well, I'm the designer, so I know how to make these things. But this mark truly was a collaboration in every sense of the word. I don't think I would have ever turned it if it wasn't for Luke. So that was the thing that was most exciting, working with another designer in the middle of a pretty bleak time, too. It was a really breath of fresh air in terms of our process. Yeah, and I think having someone, especially when it's the creator of the product or project mm-hmm. that you're working on, I think there's an investment on their part to make it unique and interesting you know, with so many quote unquote creators out there now making their own content and needing branding more than before. I think you have found an interesting niche that could be not exploited. Exploited is the wrong word. You're not taking Mm -hmm. advantage of anyone. You're really, no, yeah. (laughs) it's really about bringing the best points of view from two creatives and creating something unique. But Mike, I want to thank you for your time and letting us all in on your secrets, which are not very revealing in the best of ways. (laughs) you just set out to design something cool something cool came out of the process that's it thank you again for your time and there's no pressure for the next time you submit a project to brand new zero bad votes (laughs) yeah i'll have to see what's in the chamber i don't know if i have anything to live up to it at the moment right now (laughs) (laughs) all right mike thank you so much thank you While we personally love a great buttoned-up presentation with a big design reveal, we have to admit a certain sense of jealousy about Mike's and Luke's chill process. It was also evident how beneficial it was for Mike to be a fan of the product to begin with, and how the excitement of getting the opportunity to help shape a product he enjoyed translated into a successful identity. Also, as I record this, Armin is in the workshop downstairs, wrapping rubber bands around a ball, and, well... No, he's not trying to solve the logo. He just thought it would be a very good use of his time. Today, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll be here. We hope you'll be there. <laughs>